a regular read of the latest LGBT plus trends, TV, and the ever-expanding world of drag. Hello there, I'm the Velvet Snatch, and welcome to this girl, season four. As usual, I'm here with the delicious little thotter stew. Good evening, my love. How are you doing? Day. Oof, I'm delightful. I'm ooh, I'm I'm moist with anticipation for our guest today, but also we ooh. don't have Jim Bunny Glenn here. We are Jimless, we are bunnyless, we are Glenless oh, yeah. today, which is a bit of a, a shock to us. It is quite a tragedy, but unfortunately something happened in his personal life, so we temporarily are without our delicious Jim Bunny. He shall return. It's a shame, but we shall soldier on without him. And as our special guest today, now we're very excited about this because bit of a youtube phenomenon i want to say but also just the sexiest voice in the entire world the sexiest look in the entire world just an absolute all-round triple threat we have the musical singer songwriter john duff with us today how are you doing i am fantastic especially after that introduction thank you very much I think sometimes sometimes you don't know what to say about someone. I'm just like, where do I start? You know, with this where it's this I idea. Mean, you can keep going. <laughs> I, I don't encourage him. I, I I could to be fair. We were having a joke with drag mates about like, when you introduce someone but you don't know anything, and then you just kind of get a bit sort of the the delightful exactly what I said about you, to you there. But you know the 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 delightful uh, someone. I've I've actually spent today like brushing up on my John Duff if that that sounds like a euphemism if I'm perfectly honest actually but um, I spent all day in the house with my John Duff you know and just the production quality of your music videos John is absolutely phenomenal thank you I I take great pride in my visual art and I have a heavy hand in all of them which lets me cut a lot of corners um (laughs) To get things right. But that's it. I mean, like, would you would you class yourself as an artist who has, like, a lot of vision? That's why most of the, the guys that I work with in making my music, the reason why they love me so much, aside from knowing I know my stuff, is I have a vision. Uh, and I always, as we're even doing the song, I'm saying, well, what the video could be this, or this could be this, or, I, or I'll come up with a video first and say, I need to do a song that allows me to have this visual. Yeah, Th- that's quite nice that it goes the other way around, where you're just like, okay, I want to do a video about this, so I'm going to have to write a song about this. You know, that's crazy. Look, I've done some stupid stuff. In in a couple weeks, I'm releasing a music video. It, I wrote the song the night before. It was just a demo. <laughs> we shot the video. Then the video turned out amazing. And for a year, we just had to make the song actually fit the video. <laughs> <laughs> Although, did, did you have to so re-edit it? Uh, no, 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 no. It was, we kept the same tempo, same vocal. We just had to make it work and rise <laughs> to the level of the visual. I absolutely love that. That is absolutely crazy. But I've gone off piste already. I will never do it again. <laughs> That's it. That, it sounds like a lot of work. In, and as we know, a lot of work in post makes you very depressed with the end product because you're like, I'm so sick of this and now I need to promote it. Wonderful. <laughs> well, that's how everything ends up. By the time anyone else sees it, you've already been seeing it for months. <laughs> and you've got to tell you everyone know? it's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, and at that point, you're already working on the next thing and your focus is like, okay, we're finally done with all the logistics to get that out now it's time to prepare the logistics to get the next one out <laughs> the the conveyor belt never ends but i've gone uh, a bit too into things too quickly there but uh john sorry for people who don't know who you are could you introduce yourself and what you do a little uh my name is john duff i'm <laughs> from outside of baltimore maryland uh the 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 seventh colony i I believe (laughs) in america and i grew up doing uh i was like a talent show kid and that launched me into theater i uh, pursued musical theater at syracuse university i moved to new york i was an actor i was writing songs I was encouraged to move to LA and pursue my songwriting and the rest just kind of, kind of happened. I got to LA, you start meeting people, you start making things happen. So I, I, I create my visuals. I often style them, creative direct them. 
and and otherwise i i guess i'm i guess i rant on instagram which people like um, <laughs> but it's uh, my whole story is weird because in 2015 i got kind of popular on instagram for for maybe my body and maybe for um being funny and so music didn't come into the picture to my audience until 2018 mm. and you know it, uh, sometimes I feel like that makes me not be taken seriously because my personality is so bold and my visual choices are so bold, but you know, my life motto is it's not that serious. So. <laughs> well, I think, I think the thing is that there's no sort of true path to success. There's no sort of way to do your life. You just kind of go, whatever, what have I got given today and how do I make that work? And it sounds like that's what you've done and you're still 100, doing. 100%. You got to use what you got to get what you want. But, but that's crazy though, that you started off with like music. You started off with music and acting. Then you got famous on Instagram, mm -hmm. possibly for your looks or your personality. And then now you're like, oh, cool. Now I can bring the music back into this, you know, now that I've got a following. It's like, that's quite a cool way to do it. Thank you. It's a, it, it can it can be disjointed because as I've been on the internet for so many years, so many people are there for different reasons. They might be there because I have really cute dogs. So when I'm posting <laughs> about music, they don't fucking care. Yeah, they're like, no, bring on the dogs. <laughs> oh my God, can That's I say sad. fuck? I just said fuck. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Have, have we not that sworn was, before was this record, month? Actually. That, was a, a, that was a subtle fuck there. And, you know, I, I'm not used to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like a dramatic I should grind to buy us. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair i was joking the other day because i opened up my bloody phone and there's an app called x on it and i'm just like what what like gay hookup app have i downloaded while drunk you know and then opened it and i'm like oh it's fucking twitter to be fair does anyone really use twitter for anything besides porn <laughs> wait it's the new tumblr reading more porn now x is the new tumblr <laughs> yeah i thought it was fitting <laughs> yeah. I think they've realized their only remaining market and went, yeah, let's just, let's just be honest. Porn. <laughs> the the internet porn. is for porn. There's a whole musical song about it. In Avenue Q. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so, how's your 2023 been overall? 2023 is good. Uh, I'm in LA. I'm living here. I had moved to the East Coast. I was living in Maryland during like 2021, 2022. Mm. So I'm sort of freshly back. I, I've been in a relationship for a while now here, um, which is new for me and, and, and hopefully will inspire some, some artistic direction from me that I haven't quite explored yet. Mm. Making things, constantly making music and, and making videos. I, I have a whole album plus worth of material that i need to get out there it's it's just uh it's hard yeah it's hard because a lot of people say that like albums are like a thing of the past and obviously like you know your music is very much you're releasing single tracks and you're releasing singles and then you're releasing like a, an album of stuff is it more that that's the way you work nowadays in terms of you do single tracks, see what sticks, and then you bring them out as a compilation effectively. Yeah, that's sort of the advice that people are given is just keep doing singles and investing in the promotion of the single. I think it depends on where your heart is. And I'm a bit of old school. And since I do have a vision, I think the best way to show it is with a body of work. Uh, it's just ill-advised at this point in time, especially for those of us that are not like signed to a major label and can't get that promotion. I kind of like the idea of, because obviously the problem is if you just release loads of individual single type sort of, you know, hit a market songs, and then you just put them together as an album, then we're never going to get filler tracks. We're never, you know, we're never going to get like, and a lot of the time, like they can be the most fun, the sort of the ones where it's not trying to be a standout single. It's just kind of a little wonderful crystallized emotion and whatnot so i think that might be quite fun though like sort of getting all these songs that you previously released together and then just being like now i just write loads of little filler things between it pad out an album have some fun i don't know maybe it doesn't work like that no I, it, it totally can and i've seen people do that before 
Uh, and the great thing about it is if, if I did that, let's just say I took all my top songs from the past five years and made them an album. The day I released it, it would register all of those previous streams onto the album. So I'd be able to come in and be like, oh, my album got six million streams in one day. Well, is that how it works? Bloody hell. I didn't know that. Well, that's what some people do. Um, <laughs> but that's... It just, it, you know, it's all data. So it's pulling the data of the songs that already exist and then being like, oh, this album has a lot of listens already. <laughs> they really hate this news track, though. <laughs> you know, it's got no listens at all. <laughs> right. But these that's these tracks are really popular. <laughs> I mean, that's what was so astounding about Taylor Swift's album last year was they released the one single and then they released the entire album and all of it went into the billions. Like, wow. Mm. It's it's crazy. It's mega stardom. Like, I don't know what it's been like over there, but over in here, like, we've had all of the gays desperately trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. And it's all, it's just been the only thing anyone's ever talked about for like th three full weeks. And you're just like, I'm glad you got your tickets. Now shut up. <laughs> I, I went to the concert um, here last Thursday. And I had gone to see her years ago. I took my niece, who was like seven at the time. I also went when I was in college because she was country artist at the time. And my friend and I snuck in because my brother-in-law was a security guard. Mm. And yeah. so I've seen her through the years. I, I was floored. This was incredible. Three and a half hour show. She does barely leaves the stage. And the audience is more invested than any audience I've ever seen in my life. And they're emotionally connected to her. And it's really impressive. Well, that, that's the thing. I, I don't think people fully understand how difficult it is to entertain for like two and a half hours. Because you, you, you're just there being constantly watched for like hours. You know, 100%. And I mean, she's standing in the room in front of 75,000 people having to do it. It's a... Uh, it's a feat. I mean, what, what do you do when you've got to, like, pick your nose or something? You're just going to be like, oh, damn, I can't, can't even turn around. You know? <laughs> no, you can't. You're in the round. You just live with it. <laughs> so I see. That's what outfit changes are for. You, you go off, off stage for, like, 10 seconds. Get everything out of your body and system in 10 seconds while you're getting changed. It's <laughs> but you have to think, if she's on one end of the stage, it's the, it's the length of a of a football stadium to get off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got to really need that. You've got to really need it to go and do all of that. It is crazy though. And and it's, it's like that thing with actors and whatnot, where people don't realize how much patience and waiting there is involved in filming and acting and stuff like that. And they just go, Oh, well, they just rock up and do like half an hour's work for a music video or something. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, no. So much waiting. What actually, what initially inspired you to get into the music side of things then? I was always in it. I mean, I was eight years old when I did my first talent show. Uh, and I, I did Elvis. And, and, and that was my, that was the only day in school that I was cool. So <laughs> no one, I was kind of an oddball kid. And then the day of the talent show, it's clear that I was um, the most popular kid. Unfortunately, it was always on the last day of school, so they'd forget by the next year. <laughs> you should send notes around. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Put up a poster. Just reminder: This is me. I was the kid at the talent show that you all love. Remember that. <laughs> so I, I just always loved it, and I don't think I was always. Um, I was. I was not always as good of a singer. Uh, that took a lot of work, but I was always an entertainer, and I always had an idea. And I always had taste in music. I mean, it, it's the fact of, you know, there's no doubting that you're a very driven individual because like like we're saying, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, I actually wanted to ask about the latest single, which is House on Fire. Now, I didn't actually know this until we came up with these questions, but it's the fact of like, it features a self-choreographed TikTok dance. Like, how how long did it take you to come up with this routine? Obviously, you can tell that I just do not understand TikTok at all. <laughs> uh, well, I've always thought the TikTok dance world is uh, funny. So I knew that I wanted to dance and I was supposed to have um, a very famous choreographer work on it, but schedules didn't align. So two days before the shoot, during a fitting with the stylist, I just said, will you film me? I'm going to make up a dance. And then I started doing interpretive dance and then I counted out that dance and I made it um, worse. And then that became the dance. <laughs> you, you actively made it worse. 
Yeah, I was like, well, it shouldn't have so much um, feeling in it. It should like, I should move like, um, like a robot, and I need to make these faces during it that like I'm really killing it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, my part. we see it in the music video, and it just it makes yeah, it makes me laugh. Like it's just I I love how. Like, you've got this dance that's suitable for TikTok, but then the actual House on Fire music video isn't suitable for TikTok. Because obviously, friends have explained to me that you can't, you can't say certain words on TikTok, you can't have knives on TikTok, you can't do that. And then, and then the actual content of the video itself, you're just like, this is very not TikTok. Well, you know, it, I, I, I was listening to my song, and it's a, more of a mainstream vision, the, the song itself. And as I thought about how I was going to do a video, I started to feel like, well, what am I going to do? Just like sit in front of a burning house with a white T-shirt on. Uh, but as I unpacked the lyrics, I was like, wow, this I-, I was desperate when I wrote this. And the person I was writing about probably like wasn't even aware I felt this way. Hmm. So in a way, they were like a captive in my mind. So I thought, oh, this will be so funny if I do this kind of misery, Kathy Bates, um, Buffalo Bill <laughs> To the lambs thing and then my friend adrian who creative directed it with me came up with the idea of well what if you're what if these are tutorials like what if you're every time we think you're going to do something scary you're actually doing a tiktok <laughs> and then we were like oh my god what if i'm a tiktok like wannabe star and this is like my half-life is that I have a hostage. The hostage then is a metaphor for what all of us are to social media, right? She's just sitting there watching against her volition as I'm cutting fruit. Yeah. Honestly, uh, it's genius. Yes, thank you. I've been told that it's um, by some industry folk that it was um, too cerebral and, and and too detailed in thought and that I, I need to go back to just... Um, quote making hamburgers right uh, that's a bit of a, a a bit of a slap but uh i i probably wouldn't listen to them but i, I mean the, the the fact is like with all good concepts it has layers it i think it's enjoyable at its base value that is like a funny little sort of contrast between these two horrible things going on it's quite good as an actual horror piece you know because of like how how actually scary you are by being so happy and upbeat in this scenario. But then like my interpretation of it, aside from the, aside from the, you know, like obviously doing tutorials and stuff was the idea of, you know, we don't get to see into other people's relationships. So if that's your relationship and it's abusive, an abusive relationship, but then all we see is what gets posted on Instagram or Facebook or the TikTok, then we assume that everything's happy and fine, whereas behind the scenes is that. Like, that's that was my kind of takeaway. But the fact is, like, it's like an onion. There's so many layers, I think. Well, isn't that reality? I mean, how often do we hear... Wasn't there a celebrity thing last week where this person's image is body positivity, self-love, I'm the happiest go lucky girl in the world. And then their team comes out and says that it's not true. I'm not naming names, but you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. The world knows what you're talking about at this point. It is, it's, it's a, it's very much a, a commentary on sort of what we, what we do experience in real life, you know, but it's, it's good that we get to see that, you know, actually, put into a music video because a music video is something that everyone will watch and if they kind of look at it and they go oh shit that is reality it's a very good visual and it comes with a good song that i can enjoy but then they can shut it off and go oh shit yeah that's life um (laughs) you just turned life into visual art i i think that's always what i was doing was just observing and then framing myself as the protagonist or anti-hero in in what i was seeing the word unhinged is one that gets thrown around a lot i think and that that sort of is what I got from the video, like that character is, you know, just in their own world, living this sort of TikTok dream, and then two seconds later, they've got a knife in their hands, you know, throwing it around the kitchen. I'd like to see. But that you in. think he's going to stab the girl, but then he's cutting fruit. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. There's would you like, misdirection would you like at its to... finest. <laughs> would, would you be interested in doing something like that in, like, you know, some of the sort of TV series like American Horror Story, for example? Would you be interested in playing like a kind of like off sort of unhinged but maybe not what you think kind of character of course i uh i'd make a great sinister human being <laughs> don't we all <laughs> i think they should you know, make like dream queens and just just pop you in there because i think you'd, you'd fit right into that sort of like 
it's a horror, but it's kind of stupid, but good because it's kind of stupid and it's also a horror. Wait, it's it's a good it's a good energy. This is something that I always find weird, though. Like you know, because like, did anyone have it on their bingo card of gays being obsessed with horror? Like some of the biggest horror like nerds that I know are like uh, queer people, and it's that. It's 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 strange, but in a kind of wonderful way. Like that's how we have American Horror Story and stuff. And obviously, it's I don't know. Like what what is it something that you're drawn to? I'm not a particularly huge horror fan because it uh, I like to sleep at night. <laughs> um, but I think it's fascinating. I I think I understand the the desire of gay and queer people to connect often with the villain uh who has felt slighted in their life or been outcast and 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 wants to be accepted and often that's the root of their obsession or uh, violent nature Mm. i think that's it it's like it's the the outsider i think it's a you know it's a trope that we can identify a lot with and obviously villains are always like you know no matter how evil they are they're always usually alone without any you know people who understand them and it's yeah i i, I get the yeah, connection the disney the, the disney ones are like they're all like the most made up beat girls uh or the most fabulous looking so i think we all had a predisposition where you know like I, they're all they're all sassy as hell too right like what the, do we want? I, I watched. I watched want yeah, I watched like Sleeping Beauty the other week, and I was just like, "What? This film is maleficent." Like, there, you know, there's other characters in it, but what were they thinking? People were going to walk away being like, "Oh, I, oh, I, I want to be uh, Sleeping Beauty," and it's like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, you know, what is it? The sort of, oh my, what an awkward situation. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> the sass. <laughs> Did you have a childhood obsession with these characters? I probably did. I probably, like, stuff like Scar from The Lion King. Like, I've done drag routines as Scar from The Lion King just because that was such a, like, a core memory, I think. Just the idea of how camp and how sort of, you know, like... I don't know. There's just something that they're, you're drawn to the the sass. And obviously things like Ursula, like, based upon Divine, it's like... They they're just yeah they're they're iconic and I think it really came at the right time for a lot of gay people. Like how about yourself? Always, always, and and they never made like the toys. Very rarely did they make figurines, uh, especially in the '90s when I was a kid. They've 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 caught on now. Yeah. Um. So so we'd have to like make to have stuff made by my mom's friend who was a seamstress to put on Barbies to be like the evil queen from Snow White. Uh. Because I had Barbies. Uh, and Rita Repulsa from Power Rangers is like one of my ultimate <laughs> icons. Yeah. Like, oh my God. The embodiment of extra, I think, is how I would yeah. describe like, I'm not sure, I'm sure you're not. I've still, I've, oh, why is it blurry? I've got a little Rita Repulsa figure. Um, <gasps> oh, okay. yes. Hold it's on. the most childish thing in the world. Is it why with is it Finster blurry? as well? Yeah, it's with Finster. Yay! Finster was my yeah. favorite. He 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 got to make the monsters. Like it just he just imagine that just sitting yeah. in your house all day, just being like, I'm just going to make a monster who's like a skeleton who and takes look, off his head. You remember the seven inch figurines of Power Rangers, like the the big doll size toys? They never made the Rita Repulsa one. They started making Rita toys in the like early. 2000s i was furious i'm not saying it should be a crime but maybe <laughs> it should be a crime it is a crime i mean you literally you literally made every doll but the queen of that show why would you do that like who i had the what, you know one. i mean i, I had, had i had the gold one. yeah I, I think it's like well, while i did really like finster i find it horrible that rita didn't get a figure but finster did like what kid is going to be like that it's not a weirdo like me being like i want the finster toy <laughs> And they made him too Listen, big. Listen, don't don't go too deep for me on this, but um, I Scorpina, who was Goldar's ge- uh, girlfriend yeah. in two seasons, she never had a toy either. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. While I feel while I feel like we could talk about Power Rangers forever, <laughs> let's get back on track and talk about your we've, music. We've show. struck a nerve there, haven't we? We've we've hit something there. <laughs> After I say one thing, the first time I ever put on my sister's lipstick was because I wanted to be Scorpina. Yes. She was she I was so cool, on. though. Like they just like Lord Zed as well. I mean, you know, like 
He looked good oh, for yeah. someone with no skin. You know, I'll put that out there. Yeah, he looked great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I don't know grounds for comparison outside of the movie Predator, but, <laughs> but okay, moving on, back on topic. Okay, um, so what is it like? Obviously, we're talking about your single house on fire. Now, the the Eric Cropper mix it's proving a hit, like thirty thousand views on YouTube or something in eleven days. I think it's something crazy, but it's like, did you did you expect a reaction like that? No, I mean, we, I also, that song is playing on some select radio stations, the remix, um, dance stations around the country. We had the number one song in LA last week. Bloody hell. Um, and I, Eric Cupper and I have worked together before and I love, we did. I hope we continue to work together because he's a legend. And if you don't know about him, the, the original like RuPaul supermodel, that's his song. So he's been in the game and he allows me to create a classic thing that's what i like to do with my sound especially now and moving forward i don't know why the video is taking off on the remix maybe it's just more inclined to my algorithm since i'd done so much gay stuff prior Mm. that me doing like a pseudo acoustic adult contemporary song might have been too soon of a move <laughs> it's like you don't get into your taylor swift stage yet i want to be able to evolve and i feel like with artists particularly those of us that started gay not that became mm. gay during our career we get pigeonholed and stuck as whatever the first thing we did was but but that's the thing though i think it was very much a like a difficult thing is you get loads of people where they're sort of closeted when they like start doing music and whatnot and over time once they've got a following and they're comfortable then they can kind of come out and it's a bit of a shame that it's that that tends to work better than sort of being true to yourself and being like you know because we need more people just not being in the closet and just kind of coming out and being like yeah 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 cool you know it's totally normal my anthropological understanding of it at this point is what I've noticed is is the the queer community, specifically gay community, is more accepting of gay art when the mainstream had it first. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't create their own. We wait until some mainstream artist comes out, and then when the public sort of turns on them a little bit, that's when we rev up. It it's crazy the 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 politics of it, but it's like is that something that you've kind of you know struggled with thus far? Like like we we're talking about obviously your Instagram and sort of you know how I don't want to say like sort of sh- shallow the internet can be, but like has it been a problem thus far? Mm, the only problem is I'm kind of like if I wanted to get a ton of streams and views, I know what to do, <laughs> uh, but I want to explore my art beyond just. I'm a gay man, and this is a celebration of whatever. I want to be able to show other parts of myself. And so that's a frustration where I'm like, well, at the end of the day, when I'm feeling a little low, I know I can just take off my clothes. Well, yeah. I I think, though, it's good that you're demonstrating all sides of yourself. Like, obviously... Because it's important for me to show that I'm actually a a songwriter, that that I actually really understand how to craft a song and often when when you have a a clickbait concept like my my song hokey pokey people don't even realize that the vocal is good on the song the lyrics are good on the song the song is good they're just oh my god it's shocking and then you're so i'm like i need to put out songs that are just good yeah it's the fact of a lot of the music videos are unashamedly gay but i like the idea of there's this awkward obviously as a gay person like coming out as gay it's like this whole awkward thing and you're a bit like oh what will people think and stuff and there's this kind of level of internalized shame that society puts on us but i think as a gay person once you've came out there's also a level of sort of oh but we don't talk about sex or we don't talk about my personal like approach to sex even though it is a massive part of gay identity like you know where like people being tops or bottoms or you know like verse or even gender and so it's quite wonderful that you know you have these songs that you're putting out where they're just unashamedly being like nope this is this is what i do this is what i'm after and i find it quite empowering well thank you it's it's it all kind of started as commentary for me I was just reflecting what I saw in the mainstream, but putting myself as the protagonist. So I've always been a little bit of a concept artist in that regard. Uh, I'm like, oh, look how hypersexual every song that 
is on the radio is and the gay guys are all limited to like i'm so sad i'm so lonely that are making it big <laughs> and so i thought well i'll just do a song about my pussy and what was weird about that was we had recorded it in the summer of 2020 we shot the video and then a week later wap came out and <laughs> i was like oh i'm i'm pulling from the right part of the universe <laughs> uh but they so we came out like a week after wap and which was cool. It also kind of sucked because all the publications wrote that my song was a parody of WAP. Mm. And I was like, well, it's not really a parody if you write an entirely original song um, by definition. Yeah. So, I mean, and also, also it, it, around time. It, it was a. Hey, come on. You, you wouldn't have done it that quickly. You wouldn't have got a song written, a music video produced, you know. <laughs> Edited, of that quality of parody 100 percent but people don't understand that you said people just think it's like 30 minutes in and out yeah i'm done wait did you have to explain to them that like your you know your pussy wasn't quite as moist and that there was a distinct difference <laughs> um no <laughs> No, you know no, when you say I... something and then you immediately regret saying it out loud. Uh, uh, no, nobody, no, nobody asked me any questions. They uh, nobody asked any questions <laughs> about moistness, <laughs> about how moist you were. <laughs> how many times can you say the yeah. word moist on one podcast? Someone's going to be triggered by that, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so obviously, we've, we've we've talked a lot about the, the music videos. Um, probably my favorite part in most of the music videos is the fact that you had a ridiculous fight with Bianca Del Rio in a bathroom uh, and that is yes. a hell of a way to launch your video career. It was in a video studio, it, it wasn't like? like, it wasn't sort of real life. It, no, it was that's exactly how Bianca behaves and I will have nothing else said about it <laughs> like, what What was that like, honestly, what, what is she like to actually work with? Well, Bianca and I knew each other from New York uh, from years ago and then when I moved to LA we ran into each other at, at the Rite Aid on the corner and it turned out we lived on the same street. So we started hanging out all the time. And one day he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm working on music. And he's like, let me hear it. And I played uh, Girly. That was the, I was done. And he took out his headphone after 30 seconds. And was like, this is actually good. <laughs> <laughs> like a surprise. <laughs> I was like, thank you. And he's like, no, you don't understand how many faggots I have to tell that their music's terrible. <laughs> he's like, how can I how can I help you? And I was like, well, I really want to do this video, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, you, you need wigs for that? And I'm like, no, 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 I need you. And he's like, great, who else do you want? And I, I said, uh, you know, Willem felt right. And so he introduced me to all the queens and, um, and, and, I, and I set it up from there. And that shot, that video, the movie theater part, shot from midnight to noon. Um, so it was a horrible shoot um, for for our exhaustion levels, but everyone was on board, and we had a great time, uh, a lot of fun. We were partying by the point that we were fighting in the bathroom. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that, that life imitating art days. there. Yeah. Back I in mean... my drinking days. <laughs> Back in the non sobriety days. (laughs) I remember when I was 15 years old and I I went to Italy and on a choir trip and we were uh, in, we saw the statue of David. I remember looking at it and being like, I want, I'm going to look like that one day. And so it was always to me like, I want to look like I'm carved from stone. Um, Because that's cool. And life is, uh, we live on a field of infinite possibilities and and everything is is possible if, if you can convince yourself. And so why not live your dream how you want to live it? Yeah. And I think if you feel that strongly about it, like, because that's the thing, I'm very much one of these people who's just like going, oh, I'm kind of okay with my body. And it's a lot of work going to the gym that I'd like to focus on other things. But it's the fact that if that's the goal that you want, and you have the willpower to kind of go towards that. I mean, it was a question for later, but like, sort of what kind of regimes do you follow to keep to such a high beauty standard? Like, obviously, before we started recording, we were talking about like the wonderful mustache you have, you know, and and what goes into that. But like, it's nice to know you have a life outside of the gym. I do. I only do an hour at the gym. Um, And I fluctuate. 
Like that needs to be known. Call Bianca Del Rio. She will tell you that I fluctuate. She's the first person that admitted it to me. And I was like, thank God someone's honest with me. I'll, I'll go up 10 pounds. I'll go down. And I always fine with this. So I'm in the gym like an hour a day. I just focus on one body part a day. I, I don't go seven days a week. I go five to six. And if I don't feel like doing weights i i just walk on an incline for 30 minutes at uh 12 incline hmm. for, at 3.5 miles per hour <laughs> <laughs> see that's the thing it's like how wonderful is it like you know because a little makes a big difference like just getting out the house and walking like i find myself like doing a lot of walking and it's better than nothing you know it is great i walk my dogs we we can do i get my ten thousand steps a day and I drink a gallon of water every day. I'm, I'm, I have a gallon right next to me right now. Other than that, it's just angles and lighting, you guys. <laughs> Everything is angles and lighting these days. Yeah. Yes, and understanding yours is an art form in itself. But I, I would say all everybody can be extremely attractive depending on how the person feels about it themselves right mm. so it's not my vision of myself is not meant to be projected onto other people to say this is what you need to be attractive to me i'm not particularly attracted to people that look like me <laughs> i just have my own idea of what i want to look like in my videos and of my thing and what's going to look cute in this outfit and how can my ass stick out of these pants you know <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, that's the thing. I've found that, like, confidence can be really attractive. Like, it's the idea of you might not look like, you know, magazine body or sort of like, you know, fashion model sort of like looks. But it's the fact of if you're confident, if you're like glowing and if you're like happy, then that seems to add this wonderful edge to it that makes people you know find you attractive and i don't think people realize this and come on we all have like a little bit of a fantasy for like a homer simpson type um <laughs> just Thank like God. a man who sits on the couch and drinks beer like <laughs> i mean i i don't have as much hair as him or as i don't have as many hairs as him but you know <laughs> i can dream no but you know what i mean the archetype of of that is like you know, we all have a little bit of that fantasy i think dude to be fair it's one of these things me and Stu were talking about like my ideal man because i i just want someone really chill <laughs> like you know like because because i'm always running around busying around with everything and i was just kind of going like i just need someone who's just kind of happy doing stuff <laughs> like you know where you're just like oh what did you do today oh you just played video games yeah cool okay you know? yeah. and it's really strange kind of realizing that that's the 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 balance the sort of yin and yang you want in your life contentment is very attractive because <laughs> contentment is like like abundance right so when somebody is feeling content they're inherently abundant and so it doesn't matter if they have all the things in the world they're fine with it and it makes it gives you permission to be fine with it too yeah, otherwise they're just never going to slow down. They're constantly going to be like, oh yeah, I did this thing, but I've got to do this more and I've got to do this. And then it never stops. It's like this never-ending production line. But the idea of someone just being able to be happy just watching TV or something, you're like going, oh, kind of jealous of that. <laughs> you know? I, I do both, so I don't know how we work. It's my bipolarity. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I watch TV on it for hours, but then I'm like, I've got to do this. I've got to beat this. I've got to do the next thing. I, I've just recovered from COVID. I got COVID like last tuesday and i'm finally like all clear and able to like leave the house and stuff but it's like one of these ones where it forced me to kind of relax and then i still found myself being like oh i'll just tidy the house or oh i'll just do this and then I'm just like wait i'm meant to just be dying on a sofa you know yeah capitalist brainwashing you need to do something in order to have any value in our society exactly that that's exactly it it's the, it's the whole self-worth thing because it's the idea of going whoa okay if i don't do something if i'm not producing something then i'm not actually worth anything to society it's it's terrifying when you look under the hood yes it is speaking of uh terrifying things society drummed into us at an early age how was your experience growing up as a gay man that might be the best segue uh, I've ever made, by the way. But it's, and then you ruined it by mentioning it. Ah, oh, draw attention to it. Okay. I think I was pretty chill. My life is, you know, my nieces are in high school now. And so I'm getting to hear what high school is like. And it's the same as when we went to high school, no matter what the internet wants to tell you. I was bullied a lot from a super young age. And by the age of six and seven, people were telling me that I was gay. 
before I knew what that was. So I spent elementary school, middle school, high school, not even sure I was gay. I never really had crushes on other boys, but just being told I was gay. Mm. So for years, and sometimes this question still crosses my mind, I wonder, had, would I be a, more of a fluid person if I hadn't had that experience? Because the conviction, the subtext of what I heard from these people was that um, a woman would never love me and that there would be something wrong with a woman who did because only a gay man could love me. Right. So, yeah. But in terms of like my parents, everyone was pretty chill. I don't think it's, I don't think it was their fantasy, but I think they heard me singing Mariah Carey in the basement for long enough to get a hint yeah i keep pointing this out but the fact is you know obviously we were talking about power rangers earlier i when i was a kid i had chira toys and yet feel a bit done out that i still had to come out to my parents i was like hang on hang on i was the little kid that wanted the you know the action figures with the combable hair right i mean i had barbie i have my sisters are are uh 13 and 15 years older than me respectively so like their barbies were in a box in the basement and I took them out and I would make clothes for them. And they, they lived in my room under um, like in a credenza kind of thing. <laughs> and my parents obviously knew they cleaned my room. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at braiding hair. So I just don't see what the, what any why they needed time with it. But, you know, at the same time, I'm, we're different. That's a lot of time. Mm. <laughs> very true but do you have sort of any advice that you could offer sort of the current queer youth you know to try and you know, help them embrace themselves or get through you know the, the tougher years when we are younger before we have more control over what's sort of said and done towards us yeah i think there's an obsession and pressure to label things and to know what you are and to have terminology and 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 i think that's tough i think if I could have grown up in a labelless society where I could just function, I, I would feel a lot better. Um, and, and I learned that from a psychiatrist that I was seeing years ago when I was going through some mental health stuff. And they prescribed me medication. And I said, well, what do I have? And they said, well, I'm not going to tell you that. Because if I tell you that, then I'm going to have to write you another prescription to deal with your you know, stress around the label. Bloody hell. And, and so I think like, just, you don't have to jump in. You don't have to make the decision. Things change, you change and, and allow yourself to be there. That's, that would be my best advice for anyone. <laughs> yes, it's good advice to be fair. You don't need labels, you know, a kind of food. I, I hadn't actually noticed this until the other day. Cause it was like, what was it? I was, it was before I got COVID, but I was chatting to someone and they were explaining that like, cause they're still like high school, but the fact is they're kind of being pressured to put labels on themselves with going like, oh, well, you know, what gender are you and what sexuality are you and what are you and this? And it's kind of scary that that parallels what you had as a kid, like, you know, cause they were there, they were not sure whether they were sort of asexual or or whether they were non-binary or whether they were like this and it's that strange thing of going well just be yourself like don't you know you don't have to conform to uh the rules for a particular thing you know no and it's hard to know the answers i met a i met a girl last year that i was like oh my god i could be in love with this woman but i was so confused because i was like i'm a gay guy mm. you know and as a i'm in my 30s and as a 30 something i'm like i'm limiting myself because i'm you know feel indebted to my label i think that's the thing it's you know i think we're getting a lot of people where they haven't looked into the different possibilities they haven't sort of you know they've been too busy sort of going oh well this is my box i'm going to get in it make it comfy that you know maybe they haven't explored everything in life which is a modern version of like 1950s structuralism where you'd be 23 you'd say this is the job i'm going to do for the rest of my life this is the house i'm going to live in and this is my my partner and we're going to have babies do you think that's a societal thing do you think like humans generally just go well well we're gonna fall into this old trope again sure i mean history repeats itself and we are in a, in an anti-structuralism era where we're rebelling against the majority of traditions that formed the society we live in, which is cool in some regards and then scary in other regards, because this structuralism did create 
houses we live in and these roads that we drive on and the <laughs> air conditioning that we have and the there, there's a lot of good things that came from it but i think we always want to find our our place and and settle in yeah because it's a fear it's a fear response right like life is scary yeah you you so, you, you search for the thing you can hold on to you know the the anchor in your life yeah and, and this and one of the scary things about today though is and this is across the board, not just in LGBT community, but we are finding identity in separation and not in what makes us the same. You know, if this person thinks this, then they're this. And if this person does this, then they're this. We are essentially implying the same tactics used to extricate us to extricate other people rather than all of us sit down and say, okay, I get why you'd feel that way. Because I could, I could literally understand why anyone feels any way. Hmm. Especially when you understand that any emotion that isn't rooted in love is rooted in fear. Then again, though, I'd counter that with what I've realized from the internet uh, is that empathy isn't actually an automatic thing for a lot of people. Where, you know, there are a lot of people that genuinely struggle with the idea of thinking how others feel and <laughs> compare them their feelings to others. No, it's scary. I mean, it's all scary. It's scary that like we someone could say one thing and that becomes their identity to the general public for the rest of eternity that's unhealthy and and when we when we project that onto other people we're projecting it onto ourselves as well and so you think about the tortured cell that that puts you in as a human being to 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 judge yourself on that level if you're judging other people on that level you're judging yourself on that level obviously we've talked a, a lot about yourself and we've talked about a lot of the you know the things like bianca del rio and stuff like are there any other queer artists that you'd like to give a shout out to or that you'd recommend to people i always felt tremendous support and, and understanding from my my friends in the, in the drag world particularly um, I, I've gotten to write songs for Kylie Sonique Love. We did a couple, uh, and I and I love her. And my friend Riley, um, I, I wrote her two last singles that are are so fun because she's a trans woman, and we get to write songs I'd love to write for myself, but they're better supported on her. Mm. But I'm happy for anyone out there doing it. I, I'm obviously particularly fond of the ones that have acknowledged me and allow me <laughs> to work with them and, and help them. What's the difference with writing for someone else? Do you feel like, oh, thank God, I wouldn't be caught dead saying this, or this is a bit too risque for me. Actually, bad example. But, you know... Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like well it's it's we've I'd seen the hokey pokey video after i did girly willem asked me to write songs for her and i wrote um this song hoops and i wrote hokey pokey and hokey pokey didn't make the album so i ended up reproducing it and doing it myself so a lot of times the songs i'm putting out weren't even written for me i wrote them through the voice of somebody else but we are all everything so when Riley comes to me and says, I want to do a song, you know, about how being a trans person is illegal. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is really fun. So it's going to be called Weapons of Mass Seduction. And we are going to talk about you as though you are a Bob. That's genius. So it allows me, thank you. You should check out Weapons of Mass Seduction by Riley. <laughs> <laughs> and Ho oh Shit by Riley. They're two of the most recent things that I, I did for her. And they are so fun because i get to be a part of myself that i i don't i'm not that makes sense it sounds fantastic it sounds really really liberating it's so fun especially for somebody to pitch you like here's a couple things i want to say can you expound upon this and make it a three minute song well that's the that's the opposite problem to what you usually probably have which is how do i fit all of these thoughts that i have into one song <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I Please. Especially now that I've been writing with a different echelon of songwriters and there's there's a math to it. You know, there's there's all this space and what you list when you really start studying songwriting of these huge hits. The verses don't say that much. I'd love to write an essay, but very often it's about nothing. I don't worry about nada. I'm sitting pretty impatient. I'm gonna get you fired. And in those hours, <laughs> da, 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 yeah. 
and and that's that's it. Which I I want to write like fucking. Uh, and what's he then that says I play the villain when this vice is free? I give honest trouble to thinking, and indeed the course to win the more again. That's Shakespeare. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to ramble. Well, that that's the thing though. It's like there. It just seems to be in a lot of modern pop music. It's like a race to the chorus where you just go cool. Why do we even have verses anymore when the chorus is the the only bit that effort's been put into? But you know. Well, I hope when my album comes out next year, it is a love letter to music from the 40s, 50s, 60s with like a twist. And the whole thing was just about getting back to traditional songwriting. Speaking of obviously new music coming up, if you could choose someone, who would your dream collaboration be with? Oh my goodness. Um, Okay. There is a singer named Amber Mark, who I don't know if you're aware of her. She had an, her first album come out last year. I'm the biggest fan. It's Sade adjacent. Uh, she's got a nice husky tone. I, I think her she produces her stuff. I think she's the coolest thing out there right now. So I'm throwing out Amber Mark as my, my first. And I'd also love to work with a legend I've uh, been trying to coax Paula Abdul into doing something with me. Wow. Uh, and, and, and that song exists, so I'm just hoping we get to put it out. Ooh, that's a bit cute. Get that it's that. really cool. I also feel, you know, I love Kelly Clarkson, and I, I, I oh. relate to her. Thank you. Just, yeah, I'd love to do something with Kelly Clarkson for her or with her. I don't care. <laughs> so someone needs to say Kelly Clarkson. I'm glad that someone has because not enough people give credit to Kelly Clarkson. She is a humble, non-problematic queen of pop and does not get the same mention that some of the other divas do. So she's surpassed the thing where basically everyone like it it's like oh yeah of course kelly clarkson but i didn't think i needed to mention that you know 100 like, so. and i also think her versatility and adaptability of a vocalist to sing every style yeah. flawlessly yeah. actually limits people's view of her as uh mm-hmm. as good as she is because if she just sang one way all the time they'd be like oh diva but because mm-hmm. she does all these she's so good she's such she's a so gifted good. artist yeah, so obviously we were, we've had a, a bit of a chat about some of the sort of fabulous artists and stuff like that. I want to know, personally, what is your current favourite song? And as a follow-up question, can you sing us a couple of lines of it? Mm, my favourite song... Oh my god, I'm going to be so weird. My favourite song is Something Wonderful, written by Rodgers and Hammerstein, from The King and I. Um, <laughs> and lately I've... Hi. I've been obsessed with it. There's a fantastic Nina Simone version. Uh, it's just a beautiful song. You want me to now we it? need the John Duff version. Yeah, yeah, that's it. If you could give us a couple of lines, it would be amazing. He will not always say what you would have him say, but then he'll go and say something wonderful. He has a thousand dreams, they won't come true. You know that he believes in them, and that's enough for you. You'll always go along, defend him when he's wrong. And tell him when he's strong, he is wonderful. He'll always need your love, and so he'll get your love. A man who needs your love can be wonderful. Wow, well done. <laughs> It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful song. I don't, know, I don't know what the test was, but you passed it. Yeah, that's it. We need the game. They give them the badge. Give them the badge. <laughs> it's the a game. hard song too. So I was that was a risk. I didn't realize we're gonna have to sing it. <laughs> okay, it. Uh, it's it's there now. It's recorded. Uh, we'll we'll just cut that bit, send it to you separately, and it, it can go out then. 
Easy. Cool. But I think I think it's great though that it's a wonderful test of your ability that you can just pull that out the bag, you know. <laughs> like... <laughs> With that, speaking of some added pressure, shall we have a bit of a game? Oh no, no, because Glenn's off. Glenn's not here, so I guess it's me doing it, is it? Yeah, right, it is. Oh. Are you ready? Uh, in the grand tradition of Stu making games for the podcast on a weekly basis, uh, we are playing a musical-themed game. It makes sense, uh, given our guest. Okay. Um, it is going to be featured around queer pop icons, so it feels very relevant. It is just a little trivia game. It will start okay. with me asking a question to John first. And then I shall ask Velvet a question, which she will fear and hate every minute of. <laughs> and we will obviously be giving away our traditional prize, which is a golden Stew Peter badge. And of course, the runner-up, as always, will get a silver edition of the badge, because there are no losers here to people with terrible knowledge of queer pop music. Isn't that right, Velvet? I have a name. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Glenn this week, so to his credit, Glenn has been smashing the games lately. We're just like, oh shit, the guests meant to win. Yeah, Glenn, you know. Everyone's a winner in some way. <laughs> Let's get straight to it then. So, what I've done uh, is there are going to be uh, five questions each, and to make it fair, I've asked you each uh, one question based on the same artist. So there are five artists, five questions each. So, John. Okay. What is the most streamed Demi Lovato track on Spotify? Without checking your Spotify, please. Um, is it Sorry Not Sorry? It is Sorry Not Sorry. Mm. Excellent work. Makes sense. Um, Massive head. I don't know if uh, Velvet even knows who Demi Lovato is. Um, but, Velvet, <laughs> Demi Lovato had a hit song called Met Him Last Night. Which other female artist features in this song? Yes, I'm fully aware of the 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 Lovato. Um, I'm gonna say, oh, I total guess, uh, Ariana Grande. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, she's oh on God. fucking I... everything. You know, they just they right, just rightfully so. <laughs> Voice of an angel. Uh, I, I'm shocked by that. I think you deserve a gold badge for getting that right in general. Um, okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> These are Gaga themed questions. Uh, so, John, which single is the opening track from Born This Way? The opening, meaning the first track on the record? Yeah. Yep. Or the first single released? The first track on the record. Oh, Lord. Probably going to get this wrong. I, I know the first single was Born This Way. It was a single. The other, so, is it Edge of Glory? It is not. The opening track was Marry the Night. Oh, I didn't realize that was a single. I, I think it was um, like the you know the last one where they're just like okay we've done yeah. six singles now here's the last one but technically still a I single. Still, so, well, it didn't have to be a single. It was just the opening track of the album. But either way, it was a single. Um, okay, Velvet, you have a chance to pull ahead somehow. Um, which iconic creature does Gaga have tattooed on her leg? Oh, oh, I should know this, um, but I don't. So. Hmm. What iconic what iconic creature does she have tattooed to her leg? Um Dragon? Wait, I wanna do though. Is it a Baphomet? <laughs> I imagine if it was all the Illuminati like uh, conspiracy theorists would be like, what? Is it an all seeing eye? It is it is it is a unicorn. No, okay. Uh, uh, the gayest on, of on, mythological guys. creatures. What what do you expect? It's Lady Gaga. <laughs> okay, next we are going for years and years. So John, which artist featured on the remix of their track Starstruck? Kylie Minogue. Correct. Very good. Um Velvet, which years and years music video has the most views on their YouTube channel? Yes. Like, it, it's not called Yes, I'll give you a second chance. <laughs> okay. Um, can, can you just name any Years and Years song at this point? Not off the top of my head. Uh, oh, yeah, um, the song is called Weasel Slapper. Ah, <laughs> close, uh, very close. Uh, Weasel Slapper is not the correct answer, it is King. But nice try. I'm sorry. Guess, yeah. Better than some of your previous guesses. Uh, okay, so let's move on to Kim Petrus. John, which 2006 hit for Socialite Royalty has Kim Petras recently remixed? Paris Hilton, Stars Are Blind. 
damn, you're good at this. <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Uh, okay, Velvet, try try to catch up, I guess. Um, what year was Coconuts released? Oh, uh, I don't know, because Jimbo's been milking it for several years now. So, mm, hold on. 20, no, actually, 22. No, 2021. Oh, that was so close. Oh. I was literally doing, like, when was the first time I saw Jimbo do that number? <laughs> And I was like, I'm <laughs> sure it was early after. last year. But no, apparently not. Uh, well, it could have been. I was in the early right last decade. year. would have still been 2022. Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah certainly. closer than my previous answer. You can, you can, gonna... you can have a tenth of a, yeah. tenth of a point for that one. <laughs> Why not? Okay, next is we've got Miley for the finale. John, which Miley Cyrus hit has more listens on Spotify? Is it Flowers or Party in the USA? Flowers. Correct. Think it broke many a record. Yeah, it was a huge, huge hit. Okay, Velvet. Final question. <laughs> I can other catch than up. The, is this is this worth three points? <laughs> I, I'd honestly be tempted to give you it if you got this one right. But uh, no, <laughs> your faith, um, your faith in my knowledge. <laughs> uh, which hit song did Miley team up with Dua Lipa to create? Oh, I actually do know this one as well. Oh, um, I can't remember. Um, uh, one word. It's one word. It's one word. Okay, cool. One word. Um, we don't even have the cams on anymore, so we can't even do the sort of uh, charades with it, can we? Is it one word? How many syllables? How many? Is it? Is it film? Three syllables. Three syllables. Three syllables. <laughs> <laughs> spoon fed the answer um almost as many as graham that's it yeah. uh okay is it midgeties <laughs> you are you are have you three points that's the correct imagine, imagine it's it definitely prisoner but we'll go with that we'll go with that <laughs> um do I need to to ask who's won? <laughs> yeah, but it's, I'll give you a clue, and it's not me. Uh, yeah, no. In the in the winning the competition, we we have John with an astonishing four out of five points, and me with one and a tenth. <laughs> Look, and I got scared when you started with Demi because I was thinking it was going to be like Madonna, Cher, Janet Jackson, Dolly Parton, Liza Minnelli, Judy Garland. Mariah I could have done those. And Aretha Franklin, <laughs> Diana Ross. I was like, okay, I got this. I got a little scared at the beginning. I don't listen to a lot of music. Like, the, the music I've been binging for the last week is the musical episode of Star Trek they just put out. Like, that's that's the thing that's been on loop. So I'm like, oh, I forgot Demi Lovato was a thing. <laughs> yeah. um, do we want to do the what we usually call a tiebreaker, but is mainly just a dark bonus question? Yeah. Just for the sure. Okay, so this yeah. one, you're each going to get to answer the same question, but it's always number-based, and I know the gays don't usually do math, so I do apologise in advance. <laughs> um, but, to the nearest million, how many views does Lil Nas X's video for Montero currently have? Price well, is right rules? Few. Price is right rules? Closest without going over? Yeah. Well, no, closest I think closest Or if you, both, if you both go over, then it's just the closest. Uh, who goes first? Uh... I'm going to go with 35 million. To... I was going to go with 80 million. Oh, wow. Um, neither of you are anywhere near close. John has won, obviously. Um, the answer is 542 million. Bloody Good for hell. him. Yeah. yeah. Well. That's it a is, lot of watches. It, it, is, it is a very well-directed, very controversial, very sexualized video which is also just a really good song, so it, it just smashed it. So that was the game, and as expected, I did in, I did better than I expected, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you now. But uh, so it, it was the one-tenth, wasn't it? it, it the one-tenth. Like, these are getting worse. Like We never used to have any kind of fractions, and I think we gave Glenn like a quarter or something. And we, get, we gave half points, we got quarter points, and now we're into tenths. <laughs> But uh, no, thank you so much for being on the podcast, John. Is there anything that you'd like to promote while you're here? I'm just here to promote myself. <laughs> Naturally. Well, where can people find you, John? Yeah. Um, uh, my handle is I am John Duff across all platforms. 
and then on Spotify and Apple or Napster or Deezer or Amazon or Title, you can just type John Duff and I will come up. Um, but House on Fire is out. The Eric Cupper remix is out. There's a video for both. I'm releasing one more remix of House on Fire in the next week. And then within the next two, three weeks, I've got my next song coming out. And it's called Somebody's Daughter. It has a music video. And just stay tuned. I'm releasing something every three, three, four weeks. Yeah, with an album coming out next year. That's the plan, and I'm trying to try and stick to it, but I love to change my mind. <laughs> like every good artist. That's it. I honestly, if I don't put out the album next year, God is going to curse me and not allow me to have any more creativity because I've been holding it in for so long. So it just needs to come out to clear my space. Yeah. And then you can start working also on legally stuff. on record now. Yeah, you've put it on a podcast now. It has to happen. That's like a, a legal verbal agreement i think <laughs> that is not how it works Sue. <laughs> it is now <laughs> well how about you Stu? what would you like to promote and commit to on a podcast um i would like to promote we have got sponsorship from bobby's uh, in newcastle if you're ever around uh, it is a lovely venue it promotes lots of queer artists and drag artists in the local area uh, we have a novel being published on our website at the moment called She, uh, written by a lovely friend called Mark Davis. It is incredibly um, good, by the way. Like, I, rem- I remember, like, because obviously, you know, I know Mark as a friend. And when you were like, oh, we're going to start putting his novel out, like, chapter by chapter, I was like, oh, okay, but, you know, and I was a bit scared that it was going to be terrible. And then I'm really addicted to it. It's actually incredibly well written and it's a great story. So I'm kind of going like, oh, okay, yeah, this is great. (laughs) Damn right it is. Um, And then just generally have a little look on the website. Uh, There is a lot more stuff getting uploaded on that recently. We've got loads of little articles, interviews, different musicians, things like that on there. And as always, uh, be queer, do crime. Or as my new badge says, be goose, do crime. Honk. (laughs) Honk. I was just going to say, don't do crime. It's very easy to stay out of trouble. Just follow the rules and then do stuff in secret. (laughs) See, that's sensible. Be gay, do crime, not... But the gays know how to do crime. We do it and don't get caught. Yeah, be, be gay, do clandestine crime. <laughs> do minor crimes that won't get you put in jail for life. <laughs> yeah, like sodomy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, do that a lot. <laughs> Maybe focus on it. Make it a skill. But um, as usual, you can find out all about me, The Velvet Snatch, on thevelvetsnatch.com. If I ever update it, which one of these centuries I might possibly do, uh, and on one. Instagram and TikTok and all of that kind of nonsense. Uh, all of the stuff I have to promote will probably be done by the time this episode comes out because we've obviously got the final of Mr. Gay Great Britain and MX Drag Great Britain that I'm going to be, well, we're going to be there at Anik Gardens covering that, aren't we, Stu? We are. So that will all be online sometime after this podcast yes you can all watch the interviews uh, that we make there um and also at the end of the month i will be performing at lindisfarne festival up north uh which should be a lot of fun but um which should be great because we're main stage this year which is crazy after doing it for a couple of years we've finally got main stage which is great and yeah and then some other things coming up and obviously as we get into the spooky season there might be a couple of things coming up there but anyway listener thank you so much for tuning in john thank you so much for being this on this podcast it has been so much fun chatting to you about every little little nuance of your career thank you so much for having me and i i'll come back anytime so you guys are ready to wrap it up now? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Do you mind if I, I say a prayer for, for you and the listeners? No, sure, sure. Absolutely. Sounds good. Okay. <clears throat> Is your head bowed? Uh, it's, it's, I think that's back issues, but yes, technically. Okay, great. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. 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 <laughs> yeah, good. Good wrap up. Hey. Oh, 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 oh,